Just like last week, we covered plural terms in the Old Testament. We look at New Testament plural terms. The pluralities, plural terms in the New Testament. But to lay the foundation here, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we find out prophetically who Jesus is. He is a son, he's a child, he's a son that is given, but he is also Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So in his sonship, he's a man. In his deity, he's the Father. So that shows you who he is. He's not just a man, he is God. But he's not just God, he is also a man. See, we focus on the deity of Jesus so much sometimes that we lose sight of the fact that he was a man. So God is a father. Now, Trinitarian people raise this question. If God is a father, then that means that he had to have a son before the son was born in time. But that's totally wrong. He was a father in creation. He was a father to Israel. But he is a father prophetically in that passage to the, to the, to the one who would come, the son who would come. And this son who would come would be none other than God come in the flesh. The Father at the same time that He's the Son. You see what I'm saying? Okay, Ephesians 4. Now, it doesn't get much plainer than that, does it? About who Jesus is, who that child is, who that Son is. Ephesians 4. We'll start there in verse 1. Ephesians 4, 1. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation... Wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So there's one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father, you know. It's all one. The question is, is an understanding of the oneness of God and the full deity of Jesus Christ essential to salvation? Huh? Let's look at the way it's worded. Is understanding of the oneness of God and the full deity of Jesus essential to salvation? Understanding that is not essential, but believing it is. You have to believe that Jesus is God or you cannot be saved. You cannot even believe that He is a God and be saved. You must believe that He is God or you cannot be saved. But that doesn't mean that you will understand everything about that. Because the mystery of godliness is a mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. 
Okay? The oneness is not a mystery, but how Jesus, God becoming flesh, that is a mystery. Okay, you with me here? So anyway, this is a good, good little paper here written by the instructor of this course, uh, Thomas R. O'Daniel. Okay, so y'all read that. It's just some good information for you. Now, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's launch here a little bit in some plurality that we covered last week at the end of the lesson. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, and these are the seraphim. They are crying, holy, 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 one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It does not say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord's of hosts. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, singular, of hosts. Do you see that? It does not say, holy, holy, holy is God's of hosts. It's one Lord who is holy, holy, holy. Not the holy three. Because the Bible says he is the Holy One of Israel. Not the Holy Three, but the Thrice Holy One. You, did you get that? Not the Holy Three, but the Thrice Holy One. Big, big difference. God is holy, whether he is in his activity as Father. He's holy in his activity as son, and he's holy in his activity as Holy Ghost. Whatever mode, whatever manifestation, whatever activity that God is in, he is holy. Thrice holy one, not holy three. Do you understand? Now, who is that about? Who are they crying holy, holy? They're saying one to another, holy, holy, holy. He's holy. The Lord one, singular, is holy, right? Is that what your Bible said? Who is the Lord? He is God. We know there's only one Lord. We, how many of y'all believe there's only one Lord? How many believe that there's only one God? Okay. And they're crying one to another, holy, 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 not holy three, but to the thrice, it's the thrice Holy One. Who are they crying that to? Jehovah. Yahweh. Is that right? Because it tells you there uh, in verse 3, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord, all capitalized, yod heh vav hey, or somebody translate that Jehovah. With me? Revelation 4, verse 8. Go there, please. Revelation 4 and verse 8. Now the Bible tells us in Revelation 4 that there's one setting on the throne. Only one throne and one setting on the throne. And the Bible says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. 
Now, who are they saying that to? Well, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So they're saying the same thing that they were saying in Isaiah chapter 6. They're still saying it tonight. But who are they saying it to? In Isaiah 6, they, they were saying it to the, one to another about the Lord. In Revelation 4, they're still saying the same thing. They're still saying it tonight. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. But who is it that's on the throne? Revelation 4, 1, after this I looked and behold the door was open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was that were a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne singular was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. It describes these beasts, right? And then it describes... Uh, what they're saying and who's on that throne lord god almighty well who's this a revelation of who's the book of revelation a revelation of it's a revelation of jesus christ so jesus is the lord god almighty he is the holy one you understand that right okay let's talk about this just a minute whenever the the and, and I'm doing this for revelation's sake. I'm doing this for teaching's sake. I'm doing this for information's sake. What I'm about to say is not for attack's sake. It's for information. It's for revelation. It's for understanding. It's not to attack. You understand? When you talk about the Trinity doctrine and what Trinitarians believe, they believe that there are three separate persons that constitute God. Three separate persons, listen, that constitute God. Do you understand? Is that what they believe? Three separate persons, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three separate persons that constitute God. Now, watch this. That is impossible. It's totally impossible to have three persons that constitute God. Let me show you some scripture here, and, I'll, and, and I'll, we'll go back around to this. But let's go, and let's talk about some scripture that talks about sent. That the Lord Jesus was sent by the Father. Jesus was sent by the Father. Galatians 4.4. What is often done with these passages is they certain people try to prove that the son pre-existed as a person with the father the son, that the son pre-existed that the son was co-eternal and co-equal with the father you understand and that when he was sent 
He was sent from a pre-exist, his pre-existence. You understand? Some people see him as separate from the Father, but co-equal and co-eternal, pre-existent before he was born. And then he was sent in time. Okay, watch. Galatians 4. It says this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So some people will tell you, well, there, there is God right there sending that second person. He's sending him from eternity. You with me? That's what they teach. But that's not what the Bible says. God, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now, if you believe that there are three separate, co-equal, co-eternal persons in the Godhead, and those three constitute God, you've got a problem on your hands. Because if the Father, who they claim to be is separate from the Son, sent the Son. When the Son was sent, watch this. That means there's an absenteeism of one in what they call the Godhead. And if you've got an absenteeism in the Godhead... Now listen to me. If you have if you have somebody absent from the Godhead, again, they say three persons constitute God. If you've got the Son down here and you've got the Father and the Holy Ghost as they claim to be separate, you know, then what you have here is a constitution they call God that is no longer God. Because if three separate persons constitute God, if one is absent from those three, that means the other two are no longer God. Anything that you can subtract from, listen to me. If you can subtract anything from God, then he is not God. So if there were still two persons up there in heaven and they sent the pre-existence, they call the pre-existent son that constituted God to the earth, watch. You have a subtraction. You have an absentee. That means that the other two that are left are denied their deity. If it takes three to constitute God and one leaves and one is sent... You hear me? Then it denies the other two their ability to be God. Are you getting the point here? That's what they teach. They teach that the Father sent the pre-existent Son to this earth. The Father was up there and the Holy Ghost was up there. The pre-existent Son is here. Well, they say the three persons constitute God. So if you've got an absence of one of the members of their Godhead, persons-wise, you understand? Then you deny the other two. It is impossible for the other two to be God. 
Because you cannot subtract from God. Listen to me. You cannot subtract from God and He still be God. If you can ever subtract from God or take away from God, then He is not God. Give God some praise. Anything that causes God to be less than He is means if, if it is possible for God to become less than He is, then that means He cannot be God. Do you understand? Let me give you an example. You, I've got water right here. Thank God for it. It's good. Water is water. But it's H2O. Right? H2O. Hydrogen. And what else? Oxygen. Hydrogen and oxygen together make water. Right? But if you separate or you subtract hydrogen, then guess what? Hydrogen is not water. Hydrogen is a gas that has to be added to another gas to create water. Do you understand the point? If you've got three separate persons, co-equal and co-eternal together, that you believe constitute God, if one is absent from that, that means that it's no longer God. It's impossible. Give God some praise. You see, by reason of the fact that hydrogen can be subtracted from water the fact that it can be subtracted and become less did you hear what I said if it can become less by subtraction then that means it's not water so if you've got three again I'm going to repeat myself three co-equal co-eternal persons in the Godhead and then the father says to the son okay you go down if three co-equal, co-eternal persons make up the constitute God in your mind, if one is absent, then the other two are not God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Let me read what I got. Anything you subtract from God that causes him to be less than God means he was never God. If you can subtract or extract hydrogen, that means hydrogen is not water. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, we believe. Now, watch this. Okay. Say, sent. When God sent the Son, does that mean that the Son preexisted His birth and then He came in time separate from the Father and the Holy Ghost? You understand? That is what is taught today in the majority of churches. It is an impossibility. Let's look at some scripture. Galatians 4 tells us that he was sent, God sent forth his son. What does that mean? That the son preexisted as a man before he came in time? That's what they teach. 
that he was co-equal and co-eternal with God? All right. Well, let's look at another, some other scriptures here. In John 6, and I've got to really fly tonight. So y'all, y'all help me. John 6, 38. Watch this. John 6, 38. <clears throat> Jesus speaking. It's in red letter, right? For I came down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, Jesus says he came down from heaven. Watch. And that he was sent. Is that correct? And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. So the Father's will sent him. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the scripture tells Jesus, saying, he said, I came down from heaven, and he says, the Father sent him. So that must mean he preexisted, right? In eternity. As a man, as a son. No, it doesn't mean that. Let's look at another scripture here. Isaiah 48, 16. Prophecy. Isaiah 48, 16. It says, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit hath sent me so they will tell you look there's the lord god and there's the holy ghost and they're sending the pre-existent son into the world does it okay so that if you interpret that way you got two spirits of god ephesians 4 says i read it to you tonight there's only one spirit god is a spirit but they will they will divide this and say okay you got the lord god and then you've got the Holy Ghost, and then you've got the one sent, that's the Son. Three persons. Three separate persons right there. No, 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 no. That's your interpretation. You understand? God is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. There's only one Spirit of God, and we have a prophecy about the Messiah being sent by God. But they will twist the scripture to try to make you see two persons, three persons in that passage. Okay, now hang with me here. We do not believe that Jesus preexisted as a man or as the son. His sonship had a beginning. His sonship had a beginning when he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Does that mean he's got two fathers then? Father God and the Holy Ghost? And then the Son? No, there's only one Father. And, and of course the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God because there's only one Spirit. But the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And, when, and so God caused the humanity of Jesus to come into existence at his conception. You with me? 
That's where the son began. When he was begotten, that's when the sonship began. You cannot have begotten son and eternal son because they contradict each other. As a man, he did not pre-exist. As the son, he did not pre-exist. He was begotten. Not the eternal son. You will never find that term ever used in the word of God. The eternal son. You will find the term the only begotten son of God. Because he is the begotten son. Means he had a beginning. And when he was conceived and he was born in Bethlehem. That's when the son came into existence. That's when the humanity came into existence. So he did not, the son did not pre-exist in eternity. The son had a beginning. The son was begotten. The son is not eternal because the sonship is his humanity. Jesus is a man. And as a man, he had a beginning. But as God, he is eternal. Do you understand? When he was in the form of God, Jesus, when Jesus was in the form of God in the Old Testament, he is the eternal God. But when Jesus came into time, God come in the flesh, the flesh is son. The flesh is humanity. And so when it talks about God sending his son, it doesn't mean that he preexisted his birth. It means that he had a purpose to fulfill in this earth. That God had a plan that he would come in the form of a man. And when God came in the form of a man, he would put flesh to his plan. He would put flesh to his purpose. And he would go forth in time to fulfill that plan and that purpose. So that Jesus as the son was sent by the father to fulfill the plan and the purpose that was in the mind of God before time ever began. You understand it. And if you do, why don't you praise God tonight? Now, the Bible says in John, watch this. Now, some of this doesn't mean a lot to y'all because y'all maybe not ever heard some of the, the theories that are out there. But you will with time. In John 1, watch this. The Bible tells us about a man by the name of John the Baptist. John 1.33, it says this. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me. You get it? John said he was sent to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says, John is declaring that he was sent by God. Does that mean that John was a man before he was born? If you're going to use that logic to say that Jesus pre-existed in eternity as a second person in the Trinity. Just because he was sent by the Father. 
then you have, to, you have to come to the same conclusion using that logic. And you have to say that John, because he was sent by God, then he must have preexisted his birth as a man. What does it mean? John was sent to do what? It tells you. He tells you what his mission was. He tells you what his purpose was. He tells you what God told him to do. That's how he's sent. So when Jesus is sent, that's when he becomes God in flesh. God puts the plan in flesh. He puts the word in flesh in Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes forth as a mature man. Fulfilling the will and plan and purpose of God. That's how he's sent. He's sent here to redeem us. But he is none less than God. And he is God come in the flesh. He is not the second person in a trinity. And as the son he did not pre-exist with the father before his birth. He was begotten in time. But he was still God come in the flesh. Do you understand? Give the Lord some praise. John 1 and 1. Let's go there. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the plan, the thought, the blueprint. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, or it pertained to God, or it was within God, or it belonged to God. The word was not a separate God or a separate person. The word was with God. Within God, belong to God, pertain to God. The word, the plan, God before time, in eternity. He had a plan. He had a blueprint. You with me here? The word was with God and then it says, and the word was God or God was the word in the literal. God is the plan. God is the word. God is the blueprint. God is the thought behind the thought. God is the thinker behind the thought. Are you hearing me tonight? You can't separate a man from his word. You can't separate God from his plan. You can't separate God from his thought. God is the thinker behind the thought. God had a thought. He had a plan. He had a blueprint. And that plan or that blueprint was that he would come in his self-revelation. The word means his self-revelation. He would come and reveal himself. God, God in self-revelation would come in this world. And the Bible says the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. As of the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. So that word that was with God pertained to was within God and belonged to God. That plan, that thought put on flesh and went forth and was sent by God to for, perform that purpose and that mission that was in the mind of God before time ever came into existence. And so a, a specific time in history, the word, God himself the plan, he put flesh on it. And the Father, the Spirit, the will of God sent Jesus, come on, God in flesh to fulfill that plan and that purpose. Are you here? Not the pre-existent Son. Now, we do believe in the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we don't believe is the pre-existence of the Son. We don't believe in the pre-existence of a second person. 
Come on. We don't believe in a sec- uh, the pre-existence or the co-equal, co-eternal second person of the Godhead. That's what we don't believe. Come on. Let me show you. We believe, though. Now, don't get messed up on this. Don't go forth and say, we don't believe in the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus. I didn't say that. What we're teaching you, what we're showing you, is that the Bible doesn't teach the pre-existence of his humanity. It doesn't preach the pre-existence, it doesn't teach the pre-existence of his sonship. Do you understand? That's what it, all right. Now, in 2 Corinthians, whoo, I'm starting to feel good now. Woo, hallelujah. Woo. I tell you what, you know what, you know what you need to have church? Can I tell you what you need to have church? You know what constitutes church? One person in God. Right, let me put it this way. It should be God in one person. That's all it takes to have church. One person. God in one person. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. Now I'm going to give you a verse of scripture here. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. We believe in the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. How did he pre-exist? How is he the eternal? How is he the everlasting one? Who's going forth is from of old. Are you here tonight? He's the only begotten Son of God in His humanity. All right, 2 Corinthians, watch this. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. It says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that you through His poverty might be made rich. My question to you was when did Jesus, when was the Lord Jesus Christ ever rich? When He came into time Come on. You know, and he, he may have had, I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying to show you something here. What he's trying to show you is the preexistence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not as the Son, but as God. Because as God, he was rich. But when he became a man, he, he condescended. He came down to our level. God robed himself in flesh and became poor for our sake. That ye through his poverty might be made rich. So we believe in the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ as God. But not in the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ as Son. Because if he is co-equal and co-eternal and pre-existed as the Son, and three separate persons constitute God, when he left heaven, that means he, it denies the other two of even possibly being God if it takes three to constitute God. So what I'm trying to tell you, God sent him. God sent his son. But it was God come in the flesh in time the son was born. But before time, Jesus as God existed forever. Give God some praise. If Jesus is not fully and completely God come in the flesh, then Jesus cannot be God at all. If he's not God overall, then he cannot be God at all. It is impossible to have a second person in the Godhead and say they are separate from each other, co-equal and co-eternal. 
it is impossible to have that. Do you understand? Do you understand absentee? Do you understand subtracting? If you can subtract from God, he can't be God. If one of the three can be absent for a moment of time, then the other two can't be God. If it takes the three to constitute God. Just like right here, hydrogen comes out of this water. It subtracts itself from that water. It's not water. It's hydrogen. It is not water. It's no longer water. I'm glad I know who he is. <laughs> and let me just help some of you tonight who are looking at me like you're, you're puzzled. I will tell you what it takes to understand. It takes a revelation of God to understand God. It is impossible for the finite mind to understand or comprehend God. Jesus is incomprehensible. You can't comprehend the incomprehensible. Only God can know God. And for you to put him under a magnifying glass and try to define him and divide him into persons makes it impossible for him to be God. Because you cannot subtract from God. It is impossible for God to be absent. It's impossible for him to be absent in any form. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Father, He's the Son, He's the Holy Ghost in activity. But it's all Jesus. Whether He be in His form as God in the Old Testament or God coming in the form of a man in the New Testament is still Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And without believing that, you cannot be saved. I'm not saying you've got to totally understand everything I'm preaching tonight. But I'm telling you, you've got to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you cannot be saved. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sin. If you don't believe he's yod hey vav hey, If you don't believe he's the Lord God, you will die in your sin, Jesus said. And Isaiah the prophet told us he sent us out to be witnesses of the deity of Jesus Christ. We are his witnesses. We are the true Jehovah witnesses. I do not believe that Jesus was a God. I do not believe that Jesus, before he became a man, was Michael the archangel. Michael, the archangel, did not die for me. God, come in the flesh, died for me. I do not believe that Jesus was Michael before he became a man. And he had a father named Jehovah. And his brother was a devil. Did you hear what I said? I'm a true Jehovah Witness. I'm telling you that Jesus is God. I'm telling you that Jesus is the Lord. I'm a true witness of Jehovah. Because I declare to you, he is not an angel. He was not Michael the archangel before he was a man. He didn't have a brother that was a devil called Lucifer. And Jehovah was not his father. He is uh, the father. He is the Lord. Give God some praise. I said he didn't have the devil for a brother. He's got some sons who became devils. Yeah. 
you hear what I said? He's got sons that became devils. But he never had a brother that was a devil. He was God come in the flesh. Isaiah, no wonder he said, and I don't have time to get into the witnesses here. With those, just look at Isaiah where it talks about you are a witness. You are a witness to the deity of Jesus Christ. I don't have time. You are a true witness of the Lord. Give God some praise. He is God come in the flesh. And if you don't believe that, you cannot be saved. Okay, we went off on the Jehovah Witnesses. Now, let's go off on the Trinitarians back again. We, we, you know, we're on the Trinitarian, we, we messed them up. Now we messed the Jehovah Witnesses up. No, not the true ones. <laughs> the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. The book of Revelation, Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of trumpets and bowls and all of that. That's a good thing. That comes from the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is that. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation that he is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. He is Almighty God. You can't have two Almighties. He is almighty God. He is holy, holy, holy. He's the thrice holy one, not the holy three. God sent his angel to signify to his servant John the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, write what you see. You're a Jew and salvation is of the Jew. And you understand that God is a spirit, John. And you need to teach this to the Asiatic churches because they are Gentiles. They don't understand that God of the Old Testament has become a man. But write what you have seen and declare the revelation of Jesus. And you can't write it if you haven't seen it. So you've got, let me go back to the original thought. You have to have a revelation from God. God has to reveal this to you. That the mighty God was in Christ. The Bible says the mighty God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. You've got to have a revelation of it. I can get up here and I can teach. And I can throw all kinds of stuff at you. But until God opens your understanding. Until you see it, you cannot write it. But when you see it, you are to write it. You are to publish it. You are to tell everybody. I don't know how I'm going to finish this. i got three pages of scripture. Help me, Jesus. What you need to do, you need to ask God. God, give me revelation. Open my eyes. Because your finite mind cannot comprehend the incomprehensible Jesus. But I'm telling you, he is none less than God. He is God all by himself. He is the second person of nothing. In Jesus' name, give God some praise. So we believe in the preexistence of the Lord Jesus Christ in his form as God. But the Bible said that he... Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He that was in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Took upon himself the form of a serpent. Of a servant. Not a serpent. A servant. So when he that was in the form of God. When did he that was in the form of God take on the form of a servant? 
when he was born in Bethlehem. That's when he took on another form. Say form. So God, Jesus, God, Jesus in his godness, Jesus when he's in the form of God is the eternal spirit. But that eternal spirit God, come on, who is Jesus, the Lord Jesus, became or took on the form of a man or a servant in time. He didn't pre-exist as co-equal, co-eternal. Let's go look at some other scriptures. I got to talk to you about the glory now. Ooh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to have church, man. <clears throat> I got to have church. You can sit there and look at me all you want to. But I got to have a move of God inside of me. I've got to declare what I've seen. John 16. Let's talk about the glory. This passage sometimes creates problems for people. John 16, and we don't have time to go through the whole book of John. We've done that before. We've gone through every verse in John and taught it to you. But just to give you a few teachings from John, we're dealing with pluralities or plural terms in relationship to Jesus. So how many of you understand now that Jesus is begotten son, which means he's not eternal son. But as God, he's eternal. Yeah, okay, that's, 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 that's fine. He shall glorify me, for he shall re- receive a mine and shall show it unto you. All right, so about, Jesus talking about the Father going to glorify him. Now watch. He's speaking here as if he has not yet been glorified, right? As a man, he's talking. So you shall, he, he, you shall be glorified. Now verse, chapter 70, verse 5. And now, O Father, he's praying in his high priestly prayer. He says, and now, O who? Father. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so people look at that. Some people say, well, look, there it is. He's, there's a preexistent son right there. He was with the Father, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. Are you here? Is that what, is that what that's saying? Well, it's saying that, but does it mean that he pre-existed as the Son? All right, so then how can we explain this then? If it says here, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Well, number one, he as God... Is the glorious one. The Bible says Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ is the Lord of glory. So when he says as a man. You've got to understand. You've got to look at this. Is he talking as a man? Or is he talking as God? As God. He is the Lord of glory. Do you understand? He is the Lord of glory. But as a man who came in time, he is praying and he says, Glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What glory are we talking about? Well, he talked about the hour when he was alive before his death. He talked about that as being his glory. When you talk about the glory of God, 
You're talking about when Jesus said, glorify thou me with the glory that I had with thee before. Let me get this right, make sure. Glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What glory are we talking about? Ten minutes to go. His glory was the plan of God. In the mind of God, God had already determined the glory of the Son. It doesn't mean the Son was sitting there next to the Father in glory and splendor. He is the Lord of glory in the Old Testament who became a man in this earth. But in the mind and the plan of God, the glorified Son was with God before He ever came in time. In the mind of God, Jesus was slain from before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 18. In the mind of God, He was already slain before the world was ever created. In the mind of God, he was already slain. He was already buried. He he had already risen from the dead. He had already been glorified. He had already ascended. He already sat on the throne in the mind of God. So even though in time he has not yet been to the cross, has not been buried, risen, ascended, and sat on the right hand of God, in time... In the mind of God, it was already finished. It was already done. Give God some praise. Go to Revelation 13, 18. Revelation 13, 18. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (coughs) Revelation 13, 18. Now, 13, 18. You there? Mm, 13.8. Yeah, I'm sorry. 13.8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written. I'm glad I turned there. Whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, he was already slain from the foundation of the world. You look at Ephesians. He says, you were chosen in him. You were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, it was already done. In the mind of God, He would come as a man. Put to action his plan and his purpose. He would go to the cross. He would die. He would be buried. He would rise. He would ascend. He would be glorified and set upon the throne. So in the mind of God, He was glorified. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise. As God, He's the Lord of glory. But the glory of the Son was the mind, in the mind and plan of God before He was ever born in time. Do you understand? In eternity, it's already done. It's already finished. Hebrews 4 tells us that. It's already done in eternity. Now go back to John 17. Now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Are you here tonight? Now, look at verse 11. Where is Jesus praying this? Okay? He's on his way. He's fixed to be crucified shortly. Okay? He's praying. 
The Bible tells us. Now, he says, and my point is this. Where is Jesus? He's in the world. <laughs> He's in the world. And he sweeps back into time. <laughs> He's, no, he sweeps back into eternity past. <laughs> he sweeps back into eternity past. And he says, glorify thou me with thine own self. With the glory that I had with thee before the world was. He sweeps back into eternity past. And then in verse 11 he says, and now I am no more in the world but these are in the world. What are you talking about, Jesus? You must be hallucinating. He clearly says, I'm not. He, he says there, he's not in the world. And he's standing right there. So he transcends time. He goes back into eternity past. In eternity, it's already finished. And then in verse 11, he says, I'm no longer in the world. And he's standing right there. What is that? He's moving in eternity. In time, he's there in the earth. But in eternity, he says, I'm not even here. It's already done. It's already completed. In the mind of God, it was already done. Ideally, in eternity, it's already finished. Even though he had not yet been to the cross yet. He said, I'm not even in the world. And now I'm no, no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, O Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, verse 22. He says, in the glory which thou gavest me. <laughs> now, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And he sweeps into eternity future. And he said, you've already given it to me. And one moment he's praying for the, the, the glory that he had with the Father before the wor world was. And then he says, I'm no longer in the world. And then he says, he talks about the glory that God has already given him. So he sweeps into eternity future. I'm trying to show you that in eternity it's already done. Whether it be in the mind of God or ideally, realistically, it's already done in eternity. It is just as good as done. Even though Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. I'll tell you. Give God some praise. See, that's why I had to show you about the verse before that. The verse before that was about where God sent him. How did he send him? As the pre-existent son from glory? No, he is the Lord of glory who came in time as the Son. The eternal God, not limited to time or space, comes in the form of man and walks this earth. And sometimes he talks as a man and sometimes he talks as God. Sometimes he moves in eternity and sometimes he moves in time. But when you look at him in the Old Testament, he is prophesied as the coming one. He's always prophesied as the one who is going to come. God come in flesh. Emmanuel with us God. That's who he is. He's always prophesied as coming. Not as existing. That's why you don't see him in the Old Testament literally existing. His sonship. 
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me jump on to another, another, another one. The love between father and son. John 3.35. Did that help y'all? <coughs> Woo! Hallelujah. So you, you got the Holy Ghost and you got the Spirit of God in you. You got the eternal Spirit inside of you. Did you know that God, you can traverse time? You can be standing right here and God take you into the future. He did that to John. John was a man there in time. God said, come over here, I'll show you the future. In the spirit, it's already done. That's why he could show. He said, John, just walk through this door and come in this room. And I'll just show you what's, what hasn't happened yet. But when you see it, you're going to think it's already happened. Because in eternity, it's already finished. That's why he's called the I am. I will be what I will be. I am the eternal, self-existent one. Not limited to time. So that anything in time. Listen. Are you hearing me? Anything in time. Whether it be future, present, or past. Is already done in eternity. Do you understand that? It's already finished. Did you understand that? One hour? Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, now let me go back to this. Pre if he's talking there, and he's trying to show you that he preexisted as the son. Is that possible? No. Because if it takes three separate persons to constitute God... If you've got one of the persons of the Godhead here, that means the other two can't be God. Because anytime you could take away from God, that means it's no longer God. 